Welcome to the Back in Shape podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking all about spinal stenosis. So we're going to go deep into this topic and hopefully give you guys a better understanding of what is going on, how it is happening, and importantly, a better understanding of this as a diagnosis for you, in so much as quite often, this is one of those diagnoses that really throws people. They get a lot of confusion around what they should be doing, what it even means, and that leads them down a path, unfortunately, that either involves them going around in circles in terms of trying to figure it all out, or getting the wrong sort of treatments and exercises. And there'll be a little bit more on that towards the end of the podcast. As always, if you are watching us, I will be going through a few little demonstrations using the spine, particularly to illustrate these little holes that become stenosed and better help describe what was actually going on in the area. And if you're listening on one of the other podcasts, then you can always jump in and watch the video at a later time if you do need some of those visual demonstrations. As always, if you do have any questions as we're going through this and you're watching this on the website or one of the other platforms, you can use that comment section to ask away. We read and reply to all of your comments. So with that out of the way, let's start off by the rather bold statement of spinal stenosis is fundamentally not really a diagnosis in many ways. It's much like sciatica as a diagnosis or a fake diagnosis, if we will. And what I mean by that is it's completely and utterly useless without context. And quite often, it is the context that is missed by patients. Maybe that's not the fault of anyone in particular, it just wasn't explicitly explained. But stenosis is simply a referral to a hole that has become smaller. And in order to understand what we can actually do to fix that problem, we need to understand what specifically has caused the shrinking of the hole. And if we can do that, then we're going to have so much more success when we talk about dealing with stenosis. So I'll kick things off by just helping you understand the areas, the main areas that can become stenosed. And this is where we're going to use a bit of an example. So holding the spine up here, you guys will know that running through this part of the spine, we've got the spinal cord in the middle. And that runs through a canal, which we've got the, the vertebral bodies on the front, and they've got kind of like a little bolt-on on the back, which forms a nice little ring-like structure. And that's the spinal canal. And then there's ligaments that run all the way down the spine to make this continuous tube, which we can get something called canal or spinal canal stenosis, which means that is the hole that has become smaller. Then we have two little C shapes, one on the bottom and one on the top. And those are every single spinal segment here. So you guys can see these, the junction between the green and the blue here. We have a little indent on the top and we have a little indent on the bottom. And those come together to form the little exit point. This is the or in the inside, it's the lateral recess, and as it comes out, it's the exit foramina. So you might see in your reports anything from lateral recess stenosis, exit foramina stenosis, spinal stenosis, and that's what we're referring to there, either the middle of the tube or the sides. And there are gonna be different types of stenosis, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the relevant sections. But that is referring to this ring, if you will, that has become smaller. Now, it's very important that we understand this ring first, and I'm going to use rather arbitrary examples, just so you guys have a concept, uh, conceptual understanding of what we're talking about. So let's suppose that any one of these rings is a one centimeter squared ring, okay? And through that ring runs 50, uh, sorry, 0.5 centimeters squared of stuff. So it's 50% occupied, and that's nerves, the blood vessels, the ligaments, tissues, etc. And therefore we have 
50% or 0.5 centimeters squared worth of space, free space. And it's worth noting here because this will become relevant later on. As we rotate or bend forwards and backwards, that free space gets occupied by the normal movement of the spine. It can get a bit smaller and a little bit larger. When we have a stenosed segment, whether it's hard or soft, from a disc bulge or some bony spurs, all of a sudden, that one centimeter squared, part of that ring gets infringed upon. And now, let's say, it's moved down to 0.75 centimeters squared. So it's been encroached upon, it's reduced in size by 25%. But it's not just 25%, because now 50% of the available space that was there, 0.5 centimeters squared, is now only 0.25. And this is where the problem can arise. Sometimes it will be lucky and it will pinch against, or unlucky, sorry, and pinch against one of those nerves and we will see that very explicitly. You will see things on the MRI report saying, for example, abutting or contacting the exit nerve or the L5 nerve or whatever it may be. Other times, it won't necessarily be occupying direct or placing direct pressure on a nerve, so to speak, but it'll just be in the vicinity, eating into some of that space. And that's important, as I mentioned, when we're moving around. What many of you who do have stenosis will notice, you can go into certain positions, particularly the rotations and the backward bendings, and all of a sudden that sharp pain can come on where we feel that nerve entrapment or that soreness. We'll get into a third type of stenosis, if we will, later on, or a consequence, and that should hopefully be really, really enlightening for those of you that have had that very frustrating diagnosis of, yeah, well, there's a disc bulge there, but it's not really pressing on anything right now, so you haven't got nerve impingement, but you have because you have all the symptoms of nerve impingement and more on that, as I said a little bit later. So with that, let's go straight into soft tissue stenosis because this is, unfortunately, this is the better of the two, I would argue, but in so much of its permanence is not the case. However, quite often it will lead to the most severe symptoms at the time. So they will be the most pronounced, most painful, most debilitating in many cases. And this is the disc bulge, the more severe disc herniation, where that disc has now come out. And we can kind of see it here on the model, this little red thing, it's poking out and it's obstructing where the nerve is coming out. It's causing lateral recess and or exit foraminal stenosis. And that is a disc bulge. And without the understanding that that is a disc bulge that is causing the stenosis, the diagnosis of stenosis on its own is fundamentally rather useless. We don't understand what, what, what is actually going on in that area. And these sorts of soft tissue diagnoses are much, much better because it is a soft tissue that can slowly over time heal. We haven't got the permanence that is associated with the hard tissue variations. And these hard tissues, if we move on to those, would be the osteophytic bars that form sometimes in the neck, where basically we have the bony outgrowths. These vertebral bodies start to grow little extra projections. And we think about this, for example, if you think of a large tree that's been somewhere for a long period of time, there's been a lot of load going through that tree, more maybe than it was initially happy to deal with when the trunk was nice and square. And we see those tree, the bottom of the tree trunk starts to spread out. Well, that's kind of like the vertebra. When we're putting too much load through specific vertebra or specific joints, be it the knee, we can see this quite visibly on those with an osteoarthritic knee, the joint actually enlarges. Well, that happens in the spine in certain areas. And that is a degree of permanent stenosis. Those bony spurs are there occluding or getting in the way of that hole and making it smaller. The interesting thing about the hard form of stenosis is that it's actually often been there a long time before you had symptoms. And this is quite interesting because 
In both cases, whether it's soft or hard, it's normally soft tissues that are the things that are causing you your pain. They are the things that lead the pain to fluctuate. Those soft tissues tear and injure and, and, and become inflamed and irritated, and that's when your pain comes in. In the case of the heart stenosis, the bone that was there has been there for six months, six years, a decade. And it's only the last couple of months that you've had the pain, or a couple of years, in the case of the decade, that you've had the pain. It's the soft tissues that have become vulnerable and become injured that is giving you the pain, not the fact that there are bony spurts, although there are some, ex uh, some exceptions in that scenario. And when we move to extreme positions, maybe extreme bending one way or the other, that could potentially be that you are catching that nerve on a sharp bony projection. But that is much less often the case. You would normally, when there is the bony, when there are the bony spurs directly pressing on a nerve, you would have 24 seven symptoms. They wouldn't change. They would just constantly be there. You would be unable to provide any relief. But in most cases, there is going to be a degree of fluctuation in the symptoms, albeit they might always be there, but they might be higher and lower from time to time. And that is very, very, um, worthwhile recognizing because it gives us an insight into the improvability of our condition, of what is going on in our spine. Understanding that if the soft tissues are degrading slowly over time in the cases of hard tissue stenosis, we are going to be able to do something about those soft tissues and improve the quality and that is something that we'll talk about a little later on. Now I want to get on to the third form of spinal stenosis or the third consideration because it's not technically spinal stenosis but what we have in all of these cases especially that there's no nerve impingement that I mentioned earlier is that we have damage to some tissues at some point in time whether it's that raging herniation that's just happened or whether it's that slow degradation of the problem and it started off as a backache three years ago and it's gradually gotten worse and worse and now we've got some sciatic symptoms down the leg that is fundamentally quite permanent. Well, in all of these cases, there's going to be inflammation. What is inflammation? Inflammation is where there's some tissue damage and then the cells of the body start going, hey, 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 bring more fluid to this area, bring more resources to this area. And if we've seen a finger, a wrist, an elbow, an ankle that has become inflamed when we've had some tissue damage, we can see it can swell up quite a lot. Well, if that happens in an area that, like we mentioned earlier on, only has 50% of the available space that it should have, all of a sudden that extra inflammation is going to build up quite a degree of tension and pressure in and around that area and may well, and in many cases it does, irritate the nerve, giving those nerve symptoms, which unfortunately contradict the report we've had where it says, well, there's no, there's no disc pressing on the nerve. There's nothing pressing on the nerve, although there is stenosis or there is a disc bulge, but it's that buildup of inflammation and pressure in that confined bony canal in these little areas here. That is what is giving us our symptoms because we're damaging those, those soft tissues. And in the cases of the hard stenosis, those soft tissues must have degraded at the same rate as the hard tissues because it is the way in which we've used our body over the many years. This doesn't happen in weeks or months. Over the many years, that has caused that degradation of that tissue. And if we move over to maybe that, that older family me member who's got, you know, they're, they're, they're in their senior years, they're in the 80s, 90s, older than that, and they've got dodgy skin, if you will. They've got scarred skin. It's not as healthy as it used to be. And whenever they catch it on a surface, it bleeds profusely. It didn't used to do that when they were younger in other areas of their body where that, that skin isn't as aged and as, 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 as worn, so to speak. 
it, it, and, and it's more healthy, it doesn't bleed that way, but that area does. Then therefore, when they catch that area, it bleeds profusely, but they know that the health of that tissue is rubbish. And if I catch it on something, it bleeds and they calmly just, okay, I know it's bleeding a lot, but they put something over it and it slowly, unfortunately, heals back up again. But it's important to recognize that those soft tissues, just like in the skin example, are going to be like that in that degenerative example in the spine. And that's why they're a little bit more vulnerable. And we must be doing things long-term, once we understand the quality of the tissues in our back, to offset that. And we'll talk about that again a little bit later on. This brings me to the most common exercise that is prescribed or type of exercise that's prescribed for cases of stenosis. If we fundamentally assume that the problem is a hole is smaller, what would we do? We'd make the hole larger. And this is where people fall into that trap when they do not have the full context behind what is going on and causing the stenosis. They start doing the classic knee hugs, the forward bends, the child's pose, the exercises that are making the hole larger. And I'll show you exactly what it looks like on the spine right now. As we bend forward, we've got the lateral recess here or the exit foramina. And as we round forwards, you can see the hole literally gets larger. You can see all of these, the ones that are bending, as they go forwards, they open the hole. But the problem with that is that in a lot of cases, especially stenosis, where we have a lot of squashing of, maybe there's some degenerative disc disease associated with that, or there's a bulging disc associated with that, is compression on the front portion of the vertebra and stretching often on the back that has led to the tissue damage. Maybe, as I mentioned, those older tissues are, or more degenerate soft tissues alongside the degenerate hard tissues are a little bit more creaky, they're a little more vulnerable and they've been ripped open and they're not doing so well. Well, if we solely assume that the problem is a hole that's too small and start to stretch them back out again, all those tissues that have been overstrained that are irritated right now because they've been pulled forwards too far beforehand, that caused the injury in the first place. If we start pulling them open again, we are preventing the appropriate healing process. Much like if you'd sprained your ankle, or let's say, let's use the, the wrist example here. If I've sprained my wrist to the side this way, and then I continue to stretch that way over and over again, those ligaments are trying to restore stability. The reason my finger doesn't wobble when I do that is because the ligaments have integrity here. They don't randomly just loosely flop off to one side but we might know some people who have had certain injuries repetitively over the years maybe their joints are a little bit less stable and they do kind of veer off to one side more than the other because the ligament stability has not been restored well the same thing with the lumbar spine if we continually round that back we end up getting ourselves almost stuck in that rounded position and with the case of stenosis it can become a vicious cycle because the hole was already smaller so then we round our back and disrupt that area that's trying to heal opening it out and then it creates an inflammatory reaction. So our hole has gone from that size and we've pulled it open to this size. And now that fills with inflammation and we get symptoms again a few moments later, maybe a 20 minutes, half an hour later. So we pull ourselves even more into flexion. And then we get to a point where some of these people with stenosis, maybe even you watching this video, cannot even stand up straight because they've gotten themselves into such a cycle doing these sorts of rounding exercises that it's difficult to stand up straight, let alone restore the natural curve or the natural backward bending lordosis of the spine to redistribute weight. So they're stuck in a vicious cycle, unable to get into a position that decreases the load on the very tissues that are strained. But at the same time, they continually go back to these exercises that are making the whole cycle go worse and worse and worse. It is a difficult situation to be in. There is a way out. 
And that comes from understanding. And hopefully this video has started to help you better understand that way out. And that is to understand the diagnosis and why those activities are not good. And then starting to provide, and this is a bit more guidance side of things, starting to provide some stability to the spine. So you stop injuring if you've got hard stenosis. You stop injuring those soft tissues that are not as good quality as they otherwise should be. And if the case of a, a more fresh bulging or herniated disc or something like that, strain to those sorts of tissues, more healthy tissues that have the capacity to recover quickly or relatively quickly, then we stop doing things that could disrupt and lead to a degenerative process taking place. We stop doing those activities and we start to, again, provide stability to the spine. Start to do exercises like the lumbar towel exercise to put the spine in a good position and take pressure off these injured tissues so they can go through an appropriate healing process. But to the degree you have a more severe version of stenosis, you must spend time working on strengthening the tissues around that lower back because those are the tissues that will hold your spine steady. Remember what we said earlier, when that space is down at 50%, that little hole, it's reduced, it's, it's reduced in, size, in gross size by 25%, but it's reduced the available free space by 50%. Any of those unnecessary, unwanted little wobblings that might happen in the spine will change the sizes of these holes. And it won't be a problem for most of your spine because most of it doesn't have stenosis. But the areas that do, that might impringe so much so that it eats up all the available space that was left and create those symptoms. So having spinal control is so important in the early days and then building strength. And to the degree you have a more permanent problem, i.e. permanent stenosis, we can improve the health of the soft tissues. They will change relatively quickly compared to, compared to anything else. But we must acknowledge that if we do have permanent stenosis in that lower back we want to stop it getting worse and we can do that by strengthening our soft tissues improving our strength stability in the lower back working to improve the mobility of the hips because if our hips are more mobile we're able to do more with the strong hip joints so the lower back has to take less of the uh, or bear less load bear less force and be in a more compromised position less frequently and ultimately get the whole system itself stronger and more stable and we can do that steadily over time going forwards of course many of you watching us will already know we've got the back and shape program which will help take you through that process but starting with something is always better than starting with nothing so if you are someone with stenosis i would take this video on board as best you can especially if you've got this far through the video and start to consider taking steps to actually strengthen your body hopefully this has given you a better understanding as I said at the start of this video, there's a comment section down there. It's there to help you guys or to help us help you. If you're watching us on the website, you can comment on the website. If you're watching us on YouTube or on the other platforms, there may well be a comment section there as well that you can use. As always, thanks for watching us this far. There's so much more we could cover on this particular topic, but you guys feel free to ask any questions and we'll probably revisit this at some point in the future again too. Thanks for watching. Remember, you can always subscribe to the channel or the podcast, whatever platform you're watching on or listening on. And if you are finding this particularly useful and you're someone else struggling with their stenosis, then you can always share this with them. We always appreciate you guys sharing the content and helping others as well. And it helps us grow and, and spread the message to more people too. So thanks for watching and we'll see you in the next episode of the Back in Shape podcast.